This is Kim from Mitchell, your local rabbi and minister. What can I say? Welcome. Today's a little bit of a solace note before I post the first posting. There'll be a total of two postings today. One, a news article from a certain person I listen to and then the church. And I'm going to explain a little bit about myself. People think I'm being deceitful or I'm playing to get money. I'm not playing any of that. I don't take no proceeds. Yeah, true. I use advertisements. That's how mainly I get my proceeds and those proceeds go to a local church I go here. I'm going to tell you my story. I am a daughter of David or about David or of the lineage of David in the Bible. Some may think that the lineage of David was totally wiped out. It wasn't. It's very much alive. And it ended up in America, believe it or not. Of course, there's many that would say, I'm of so-and-so. My mother was a Jew, Hebrew, by birth. Taken away from her parents because of alcoholism. My father... Gentile, was also in the same predicament with a abusive mother. Now, his father was a loving father and wasn't a drunk, but his mother drank. So they came both from homes that were dysfunctional. My mother had 12 other brothers and sisters, maybe 16, and out of that, only four survived, five at the most. Um, with one sister in France making six. So total of six out of 12 survived. One boy out of all of it. My mother was adopted at nine by a loving family that wanted her. But to protect her, they locked away her adoption reports. Only later did my mom find out what she really was. There was an instance when I was born that they asked if my mother had Hebrew in her by a foot test on me because of a certain response, I guess. Um, anyway, make a long story short, my mother grew up in a loving home. 
the people that were related by blood didn't really care much for her, but otherwise her childhood was loving. She never seen her real parents again. They both died of either liver failure or or ailments. Now, my mom's family was predominantly Native American. It had a little bit of English background with Irish, Scottish, and Polish. Uh, the Native American ties us to America. It was Sue and Cherokee on her side. Now, my father had Inuit and English. So, basically, my roots to this country go deep, along with my Jewish heritage in Israel. I am a daughter that came out of the line of David. Jesse would have been a relative, so forth, so on, going through all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Coming forward, you had 14 generations removed from David. You had the Shuah's parents. His mother and father would have been 14 times removed from me, which Mary and Joseph would have been my grandparents. Come forward 14 generations, here I am. Yeshua was 14 removed from me, or Jesus. He would have been a distant uncle through one of his brothers that were half. Um, by adoption of his father, he was his firstborn son. Um, I can't say more. Um, from there, then the other side, my husband, 14, 14, 14 as well, to, to Hanukkah and then to him. Uh, we met, but that's a totally different story. Uh, we come to the present day. My mother and father meet in Washington. They come back to the little sleepy town we're in now. Got married. They waited seven years to have me. Uh, my mom had some complications, and it took a lot. There was me and one other twin, identical, a boy. My mom lost that twin at its birth, and I'm here. My twin ended up going he was a father I've always felt different uh, not quite the same my mom was raised in Christianity all her life saved thanks to the father's graces through the son um, I was also accepted physically salvation but I never had the spiritual until later in life when it confronts you it hits you hard that's beside the point. My mother had me and then two other siblings, two brothers. So I'm the oldest of three. She gave me back to the father. At five years old, I started having encounters with the spirit. Two visions, not physically active. Um, I was just a child, so I didn't really understand the spiritual world. I know people really look down on somebody that has a gift of prophecy or the gift of insight um, and it was rampant in those times even my grandparents looked down on it the adoptive side they didn't accept that what I was is what I was through my father mother's genealogy my father was very accepting at five my father went in the military a year later less than a year later I was diagnosed with a rare form of cystic fibrosis and cardiac asthma. Springfield to be precise, and then the cardiac asthma is pulmonary edema. 
I swirl around my neck, just like somebody having a stroke mechanism. I stroke out and pass out. In this time, the father started getting active in my life, but at 21, I severed that. I had a lot of other events happen in my life. I got married to a man that wasn't very religious. I lost children, and I blamed it all on the father, and I walked away. See my Bible in the trash, literally. Only later to get bought out, chewed out, and ask the father to come back to me. It was hard to do so because of pride. Most Jews are very prideful, even me. And I'll admit that. But I'm very humble that I'm speaking now. Anyway, most of my life I've lived in and out of hospitals. Uh, doctors probing and prodding and using me as an experimental guinea pig for all kinds of number of drugs to think they're going to cure what I have. And I resented that. I resented watching them be healthy while I'm watching my health drowned in water. I hated my own Christian brethren for that. I was so sarcastic, so prideful, so ignorant, or should I say arrogant. Um, and yes, I talk with a minefield of logic. So at 21, I went to school, defied the father's will for my life. It wasn't that important to me. I didn't want anything to do with it. I shoved my, my spiritual gifts on the back side. Um, and I had an experience in 08. And then another one before that when I got married in 2003. And my husband was criticizing me about that before he was saved. And I shut it all off. I, I, I didn't want anything. And then I had other events happen in my life that impacted me to the point. I just hardened my existence. No love, no joy, no peace, no anything. And now we're come to the present day. The last year and a half, three years, uh, the spiritual awakening that I've had has been very... <laughs> He's hitting me again and it's not fake I feel it because I'm doing the right thing it's been a healing process a lot of asking for forgiveness repenting and coming back to what I know in that time I was trained by the most premier rabbis you could be trained throughout my life uh, because of my father believing that I needed a a very round educa education. I couldn't attend normal school, so he used military school to get this training. And I earned my degrees. Not that I really needed them, I didn't, but they were helpful for me to understand both sides of myself. Someone asked me once, what does it mean to be a Messianic believer? It just means I worship my Messiah. And I praise him and I honor him for what he's done for me. I mean, he died to give the greatest sacrifice any human being could give. And that's life. Um, it's not like I'm not testifying to that fact. And here now I'm in the presence speaking with you to understand me. There's some that might think I'm deceitful for the trappings I wear. 
uh, I do wear a kippah and a tallit. I honor my Hebrew heritage. It says in the word, as a believer, I am to wear these in remembrance of what he done for my nation. And to always remember that I have a loving father in heaven that loves me. 21, I lost my father. I, I pushed everything aside because of pain. I had pain after pain after pain after pain. Besides living with what I've got, um, besides assisted fibrosis and asthma, I have eye problems. I have learning disabilities. I learned to overcome those. But I never put my trust in the Father to guide me. And I needed that trust, the faith that I could step beyond the limits that I know. All the education in the world doesn't make you a person. It's the knowledge of knowing what you have. I could be here today with you now and be gone tomorrow. Because life is like a will-o'-wisp. Frankly, I'm glad. I so long to be home with the Father and my Savior. But there's some that think I walk in mixed religion. I don't because both are part of me. I have brothers and sisters in the Christian faith that I love them to death. They don't know because I go through, how do I put it, a spiritual release. I sit at home many nights and I cry. Seeking the Father's wisdom and understanding. I love them. Every one of them. But do they see me that way? I don't know. I have a home. But then yet, it's not all the way a home. There's sometimes I have to just step away. Because of so much discernment I feel in the world. It's not easy to hide oneself from the world and run from responsibility. It's not. I know there's some out there, and I'm not going to name names, that think I'm a fraud or a delusionalist. How can I be a delusionalist when I sit here and talk about the Father's Word? I give my life's testimony of who I am, what I am, my heritage. You read it every day. In your words. I don't care if it's a King James Bible or a Jewish Bible. It's all the same. I may not know a lot of Hebrew. Because my heritage was stripped. By unseemly means. But I'm learning. I learned by the most premier rabbis I could learn at the time. To understand what they wanted to teach me enough to know that I stepped forward to take my rabbinical at a very young age. 12 years is a long time. But dealing with my father's military and what he had set aside to pay. My father was a man of reputation and rapport. He knew what I needed. My mother knew what I needed. They were people of faith. And they were my strong point. And now I see that strong point slowly fading away. I see my own husband slowly fading away. I love him. 
I don't ask for money when I do these things because I feel it's greedy of me to ask. All the things that you do by listening to my, my, my podcast are done by you pressing that button and listening to the whole podcast. And I get a certain percentage back from that that goes to my lo the local, little local church that I go. I don't earn much from it. I don't intend to. That's not what it's part about. I'm on here to help build hope in others. Heck, that's what my ministry was founded about, was God's light through a shining diamond. My name means one who is like God, who is a star, who is a God's diamond light. That's what it means. That's where the name diamond and pearl come from. It talks about a precious pearl and a merchant and what that pearl meant. The greatest price anyone could give was to let go and him seek that pearl. I got on here to give pearls of wisdom. What I know. Simple. It's not like a great elaborate stage. I explain my view of things. How how the Father teaches me, and how I honor my heritage. There's some that might say that I deframe the character of the Father. I don't. I try to be as down to earth and as humble as possible. I'm not somebody that wants to hurt people. And I think people think I'm out to get them. I wrote the letters to my, my brother in the White House to give him encouragement. And the father used me sometimes. I know he's not here now. I still have a heart for my nation and the people in it. But the things I have seen, the things that I have heard from the current setting administration scare me. And one of the things down the pipeline I'm going to play here today confirms my heart to you. I know you may think I'm some kind of crackpot. I'm not. You may think I'm some kind of mixing religions to make my own. I'm not. I'm just a fellow believer. Who happens to be in a race that is rejected? There's only about 350, maybe 400,000 of us, of us in the in whole world. I mean, there's been more added since then, but it's still a small number compared to two or three million Christian believers. Granted, I don't think all of them are believers. I think some of them are not totally in the Father's will. But I don't declare myself a general or soldier. I don't declare myself as a mover and shaker. I'm one who speaks the mind of what the Father puts on my heart. And during this whole year, my whole mindset was to open the eyes of the people to what is happening. The end times are here. We have to have hope.
we have to have vision. We have to keep our lamps burning. I didn't always think that I was blind until now. <laughs> Things are going to rapidly approach. We've got to be ready. I don't have a church or synagogue. I just have a little office that I call my Shiva that I get on the floor and pray every day. I talk just like I'm talking to you here to the Father. And whatever he wants to convey, he conveys. He has many ways of channeling his energy through me. But right now, I'm just speaking from heart to heart. What can I say? When you discern things that aren't easy. <laughs> and the Father reveals things that aren't easy either. There are those that see me as a crackpot. I totally understand. I'm not in this to be a crackpot. I'm just in here for hope. <laughs> I've went through a really emotional roller coaster for a whole year with the COVID and everything. Well, I'm going to say, please pray for the peace of Jerusalem and Israel. Pray for a nation. And I will pray for you guys and Israel nation I won't do it here I do it in private very rarely do I bring my prayers online but I ask you keep our brothers in other countries including Israel including here in our prayers what we're facing is going to be trying times I love you guys and I'll see you later bye Hi everyone, Lisa Haven here, and I have got a bombshell to share with you guys, and that is this. For the past 10 to 20 years, I have been warning uh, about Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030 policies finding their way into our everyday lifestyles, and now that is happening. I mean, your everyday, day-to-day -day life is about to change for the worse, and you are not going to like it. You see, right now, the International Energy Agency has just published a roadmap that deals details, shall I say, COVID-style policies to combat climate change, something I, again, have been warning about, but it details a plan to basically force you into electrical cars, to have you set your thermostats at like 67 degrees during, uh, you know, the freezing winter temperatures or 75 if you live in hot places like Arizona, but it's so much more disastrous, and I've got to show you this report, but before I do, just a quick break. So here's a fun fact for you. Did you know that the word collagen comes from the Greek word glue? That's because it acts like glue between our cells and our body's organs. It's the main structural protein that forms the productive tissue throughout the entire body, from skin to bones, muscles, tendons, and ligaments. There's only one problem though. Our bodies don't produce unlimited collagen. In fact, our bodies produce 10% less collagen every decade. Those who supplement collagen often note the fountain of youth style benefits, including things like less wrinkles and more pain-free joints. That's why I recommend BioTrust multi-collagen formula that you can get right now at healthwithlisa.com. This formula has the five essential collagens that your body needs. 
This high quality collagen is exactly what your body needs and it really helps your hair, your skin, your nails, and even your joints. And honestly, I've been taking it for the past year and it really has made a major difference in my life. Uh, but it's so easy to use, all you have to do and here's the bag here, is take one scoop. Uh, you can put it either in your coffee or you can put it in your shake, whatever you prefer, and then you stir it right up and it stirs without clumps and all that so you don't have to worry about that, but it's super easy to take. and doesn't even have a flavor to it. So your coffee still tastes like your coffee. But check it out now by going to healthwithlisa.com. I'll show you their website here. Right now, they've got up to 51% off of those packages. And on top of that, it comes with free shipping, free coaching, VIP life, health, and fitness coaching for life, and a free new e-report on the 14 foods for amazing skin. So check it out right now at healthwithlisa.com. More information can be found in the description box below. All right, back to the broadcast. So just what is the IEA's roadmap for all of society? Well, let me put my summarization of it before I show you the actual report, uh, and it's this. Basically, in order to save the planet from complete and utter destruction, you know, because it was only supposed to die three, four, five, ten times already, but hey, but in order to save it going forward in the future, you have to give up every ounce of freedom to governing authorities, every ounce of prosperity to government authorities, and your entire lifestyle to government authorities. You know, you have to be good little global citizens and virtue signal to the world how much you're going to save the planet and you're going to give everything up to the governing authorities. And then in the end, the planet will be saved. <laughs> At least that's the idea. All right. I kind of sidetracked a little bit. Check out this article. I found it originally on theepictimes.com. And they said the IEA's plan to destroy freedom and save the planet. I love the way that they titled that. But it says, if you liked gas lines after the colonial pipeline was shut down by hacking, or if the rolling blackouts last summer in California were your idea of fun, then you're absolutely going to love what the international global warming warriors at the IEA have planned for us. The agency is the world's most influential international energy policy organization. That's huge, right? Made up of 30 prosperous members, and it says uh, uh, some of the states that are involved there. Ironically, the IEA was formed in the wake of the 1973 oil crisis. Remember that? To develop policies that would now prevent such energy disruptions from happening. Now... It wants to cause those very disruptions in the name of fighting global warming. So originally they were supposed to protect something like that, but now they're literally going to cause. Now what are they um, referencing here? Well, they're referencing this report, and you can get this straight off the IEA.org website, and I'll leave a link, uh, but it says Net Zero by 2050, a roadmap for the global energy sector, and you can see this was just published May of this year, May 2021, but what's inside this little report? Well, for starters, they give a detailed path uh, of how to get from 2020 to 2050, and just an overall idea of what they have in store. Here's 20 for 2020, they said uh, that we need solar power, right? Uh, the, that's equivalent to installing the world's current largest solar park roughly every single day. So right now in 2020, uh, we have to start thinking of putting massive solar parks in every single day. Well, I don't know if we're there yet, but that's the intent. That's the path 
that they want to go forward. Scrolling up a little bit to the year 2035, um, they also say that we need to start shifting away from fossil fuels. And they even entertain the idea that they're basically removing fossil fuels altogether in this report. By the end of it, you see that. But it says net zero uh, means huge declines in the use of coal, uh, coal, oil, and gas. That requires steps such as stopping the sales of international combustion engine passenger cars by 2035 and phasing out all unabated coal and oil power plants, phasing them out by 2040. Okay, let's think about this. No coal, no oil, no gas. And you're going to see in a moment, they want it replaced with things like massive solar farms and wind power, right? Talk about huge disruptions in our, in our grid, right? Rolling blackouts, uh, failures like we've seen in California on the electric grid, failures like we've seen in Texas on the electrical grid. This is the kind of stuff that's headed our way. And of course, they want to force everybody into an electric car. That's what's hinted at right there. Moving on to the next section here, what they plan for 2040, electrical generations will need to reach net zero emissions globally in 2040 and will be well on its way to supplying almost half of the total energy consumption. This will require huge increases in electricity system flexibility, such as batteries, demand responses, hydrogen-based fuels, hydrogen power, and they're still working on all that kind of stuff, by the way, to ensure reliable supply, so a complete revamp of our electricity. Then it goes on by 2050, the global energy sector in 2050 is based largely on renewables. This is what they plan for 2050. It's all mostly based off renewables with solar power being the single largest source of supply. Remember, day versus night on your solar power grid, just adding that there. All right, so moving on a little bit, and here's their bold statement throughout the entire report. They highlight achieving net zero emissions by 2050 will require nothing short of the complete transformation of the global energy system. And they mean it. They mean it. When they say complete transformation, these globalists, right? And they're talking about that. They actually mean what they say. And this report isn't long. So I'm going to highlight some of those transformations that they actually admit to in this IEA report, right? Go on. Let's go on over to the first one here. The first one here is key solutions are getting renewables. Um, renewable energy technologies like solar and wind are the key to reducing emissions in the electrical sector, which is today the single largest source of CO2 emissions, right? In their pathway, they want almost 90% of global electrical generators in 2050 to come from renewable sources, 90%. That's pretty ambitious. So let's think about that. In order to accomplish that, you're getting rid of nuclear, you're getting rid of coal, you're getting rid of all that kind of stuff. And you're adding in wind turbines, which, by the way, kill a lot of birds. And we're not really sure the repercussions yet, you know, to what they're, what, what they're doing in the ground. But I digress, right? But what we do know about wind and solar is it's not sufficient enough. It's not strong enough to rely on what we need here in the United States of America and other countries, right? So that means that a lot of your day-to-day -day lifestyles are going to have to be cut dramatically. And I'm going to show you later because they tell you what things need to be cut dramatically for just a, a start. But we're going to we're going to have 
rolling blackouts, maybe even things like COVID style policies like, oh, from such and such time, you're not allowed to use electricity if you're in this sector or, um, you, you know, you'll have schedules and sets. Maybe you'll have uh, regulations on how much you can use your washing machine and dryer or these kinds of things. These are massive stipulations, but it's basically removing that lifestyle from you. It's taking and seizing control of your lifestyle where they control how much you're allowed to use in your house, in your day-to-day -day homes. This is interesting. And, and you know, I guess I'm not even going to get into that because that's on Restricted Republic. I'm going to save it for there. But anyway, all right. So let's get into the hydrogen and hydrogen-based fuels section. And here's an, another one of their key solutions. And it's this hydrogen and hydrogen-based fuels will need to fill the gaps where electricity cannot easily or economically replace fossil fuels and where limited sustainability bioenergy supplies cannot cope with demand. And it talks about the industries there. But here's the bottom line. They already know that you're not going to get a sufficient amount of energy with wind and solar and these kind of things. And that's why uh, they're also so hedging on that as well. Now here is one of the most chilling parts of this entire report and it's on key solutions for behavioral changes. How will you and I have to give up our lifestyles and our prosperity and our freedom in the name of this thing? Well it says achieving net zero by 2050 cannot be achieved without the sustained support and participation from citizens. You have to be a part of it. In other words, they either force it, make it, whatever. It, they're going to have to force it in order to make it go through what they want. But it says achieving net zero by 2050 cannot be achieved without the sustained support and participation from citizens. In other words, uh, they're going to have to force it on citizens or initiate punishments somehow if citizens don't behave or don't do what they want, right? That's that's what's going to have, have to happen because they're that ambitious. And it says behavioral changes, particularly in advanced economies, such as replacing car trips with walking, cycling, or public transportation, or foregoing a long haul flight, provide around 4% of the cumulative emission reductions in our pathway. So here are some of the things that they plan to enforce in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and they're listed all down here, but it says eco driving, and motorway speed limits on 100 kilometers has been introduced by, by 2030. They're going to introduce that limited miles that you can drive, whether they enforce that through, um, I don't know, taxes, taxes, and more taxes, right? Uh, then the use of ICE cars phased out. Basically, um, they're going to want electrical cars in place by 2030. Everyone has an electrical car, right? Scroll up a little bit to 2030. They also want you to reduce excessive hot water temperatures, and they don't mean excessive they mean that they want you to use lukewarm water when you're taking your showers or you're taking your bath or fill in the blank we all have to use tepid water now when doing those things so reducing all of that by 2030 then we also have regional flights right so basically limiting the amount that you're flying right reducing the amount that people can fly people can travel isn't that interesting because that's exactly what COVID-19 did and in its place they're going to put in high-speed rails where feasible like you know the railway to nowhere in California where they beat that uh, built that high-speed railway and it's not really being used then we have by 2050 they intend for businesses and long-haul leisure air travel doesn't exceed 2019 levels again limits on flight uh, then we also have um, a few things here I'll pass by but um, average space heating temperatures will only be allowed 19 to 20 degrees so if you get your little Celsius versus versus um, Fahrenheit 
calculator or whatever, and I've kind of got that pulled up here for those. Uh, but 19 is 66 degrees Fahrenheit. So we're talking anywhere from 66 to 68 degrees Fahrenheit. That means when it's freezing cold in the winter, we're talking zero, 10 degrees, negative five degrees or whatever, depending on your area, the highest heat that you can set that temperature will be 66, 67, 68 degrees. That's it, you're capped out capped out and then of course during the uh, intense uh, hot when it's really really hot outside the coolest that you can cool down your home if you convert that 24 it's about 75 degrees right is 75 degrees in your house that's about the lowest you get to go in the hot hot summer we're talking about in phoenix arizona where we get 110 100 and higher than that temperatures the lowest you can can cool your house down would be 75 degrees right there they have admitted something i've been warning about that they control your thermostat and by the way it's not just the thermostat they're going to control it's going to be all the appliances in your home know that going in and of course uh by 2050 they want that in place by 2030 by the way and then by 2050 they want to in um reduction in use of energy intense materials um then we have all of this as well so that gives you a really huge breakdown on how your lifestyle is going to completely change on a day-to-day -day basis and here's just kind of a breakdown uh, you can scroll it up but it recaps everything I kind of talked about and how ambitious they intend to be and especially considering who is uh, the, the Biden administration right now this is definitely something we should be looking at now on top of that they do intend to make this an international cooperation group basically uh, they want to make sure that everybody works together including businesses investors citizens basically everybody working together to cooperate on an international global level talk about a new world order and then they even get into here how they want you know taxes uh, involved the pathway to do that and some of the things that they intend to do so I'll just pause that and you can read it on your own but in a nutshell uh, they go on to say that if everything was done in this report it's still not ambitious enough here's what it says but the pledges by government today even if fully were achieved still fall short of what is required to bring global energy related carbon dioxide emissions to net zero by 2050 in other words it's not enough it's never enough so we're going to need to do more and more and more in order to be a good little citizen and save the planet you can't throw a fit you can't deny and of course they're already shutting down information that can't be said on certain platforms uh, but anyone who speaks out against it anyone who reveals information against it will be immediately silenced but the bottom line give up your lifestyle give up your prosperity and give up all of your freedoms and you know what they're definitely on that pathway here in the United States of America. As you know, Biden has already announced that he has a very ambitious goal to meet the Paris Climate Accord agreements and get the United States on track in a green way. And I don't remember the exact number that he said, but he did talk about using COVID-style policies to implement climate change. Here's a few reminders on that. Dailywire.com, Biden, coronavirus, a wake-up call to act on climate change and push climate justice. Also, we have Vox.com. Joe Biden plans to use executive powers to fight climate change. Then we have the ugly truth. Uh, this is on what's up with that. Climate emergency will soon justify house arrest. The goal here is real in the United States of America, and they do intend, absolutely intend, to use 
COVID-style policies, if you will, to combat climate change. And you will be giving up your day-to-day -day lifestyles if we don't start getting ahead of this and contacting our congressional leaders. Anyhow, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, please don't forget to check me out. I'm going to be at the Gen 6 conference, I mean, um, Extinction Protocol Conference. It's held by Steve Quell, and it's Globalist to Ignite Tribulation, and it can be found at gen6.com. Steve Quayle is hosting it, and you can see uh, a lot of amazing people are going to be speaking there, along with Paul Begley and many others, G Gary Hayes. Uh, but it's a virtual conference and it's going to take place on June 11th and 12th. And I really want to encourage you to check it out at gen6.com. Anyhow, thank you guys so much for tuning into the channel. I'm Lisa Haven, signing out.